Welcome to the latest instalment of The Curious Capitalist, brought to you by the Board of Conscious Capitalism in Connecticut. The Curious Capitalist is a series of podcasts where we take the opportunity to not only speak to board members from the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter, but also to business owners, startups and entrepreneurs. The Curious Capitalist is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome along to the latest episode of The Curious Capitalist. On today's episode, I am joined by The Curious Capitalist Chapter Chair. That's a lot of C's. Gavin Watson. I'm also joined by Dan Delventol, the founder of Mo Green. Now, I'm super excited about this. I've had a little look on your website, Dan, and I I like some of the phrases I've seen. I have to be honest with you. Cut the lawn and save the world, which is kind of cool. Battery, solar powered or 100% renewable energy charged. I'm excited to find out more. Gavin and Dan, welcome to the Curious Capitalist podcast. Thanks, Claire. Hey, Dan. Hey, Gavin. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Claire. Thank you. So, Dan, can you start out by just telling us a bit about yourself and how you got into this? You know, you've got an excellent company. The website is fabulous and getting lawn care done in an environmentally friendly way and other things. So could you just sort of launch us off and tell us how you got into all this? Thank you for asking. I've always been a nature guy growing up in the countryside of Connecticut. Harwinton and other areas. Uh, spent a lot of time in Vermont. I used to cut grass as a kid. I remember wanting a mini bike, and my pathway to getting one was mowing lawns. So I started young, probably 11 or 12, did a fair amount of that. Later in life, I became even more environmentally conscious. And I had an older brother who lived in Vermont off the grid, hexagonal house built into the mountains, solar panels. And Chiefs in the 90s. And he was the chairman of Vermonters Organized for Cleanup, an environmental leader. They led the the charge against McDonald's, got them to stop using styrofoam. Good group. And he was the latter-day Google. Everybody went to him for everything. He was quite a bright, (laughs) bright person and inspiration and the best big brother you could ever have. He died of a, a lymphoma, which is an environmentally linked cancer. He was 47, so I was about 45. For years, I had thought about, gee, you know, lawn care is a dirty business. It's so loud, and they're using gasoline. That's unnecessary. I remember the old push wheel mower that that I used to use, cutting grass at 13. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out, see if it's a business. Because I I went to business school. I've been an entrepreneur. I've had uh, I've had IT companies, software companies, rollerblade business. And so this was going to be an encore career if it, if it worked. I picked up a, a, a mower at a junkyard for $5 and I went to my suburban home and I mowed it. And it was great because athletes never have enough time to train. And that 45 minutes felt great. And it was zen-like, quiet. And I cut the grass in a flash with a push mower 15 inches wide. I said, well, let me see, you know, what's the market for this lawn? Probably 45 bucks. There's a business here. You know, young ego athletes can earn and while they burn, (laughs) you know, get a suntan, make some money. So 
I thought about it for years and I, I was cutting my own grass with a push mower. Then my brother checked out at a very young age and had always been an environmental inspiration. I've always been an environmentalist. I said, well, look at what happened. He's gone. So this great idea is going into action. And when I had the thought, I was walking on the nature trail. And as I decided to start, the hawk flew by one way, the woodpecker flew by the other way, and the deer started bouncing up and down. It was as though Mother Nature had approved it. And the, the, the term spew no evil came to mind. So I thought that would be the name of the company, but one of my first customers, the godfather of Earth Day in our town in Fairfield, I was always the MC and he was the chairman. He said, Dan, you can't have the word evil in your company name. I said, really? Well, what do you suggest? He said, how about what you do? You mow green. I said, fantastic. Little did we know how sticky that name was because people pull up to us who have seen the, the Godfather movie and they start rattling off the monologue <laughs> like, hey, you don't come into Mo Green's town, tell Mo Green what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, so, yes. So tell me about the company. You started way back in 2006, is that right? That's right. Yeah, just a handful of customers and a, real, a push reel mower, a broom and a rake. It was wow. quixotic. Somebody said, hey, you know, you, you want to cut grass without gas. That's quixotic. I thought about it. I said, yeah. Yeah. Don Quixote de la Mancha. I am Don Quixote, the man of Lamogreen, and into the battle I ride. And immediately I had to make up the words to Impossible Dream, tailor them to Mogreen. So, so I came up with that, and it's uh, that's kind of catchy. To dream the impossible dream, to hope that air can be clean, to mow with no carbon emissions, to drink from a clear mountain stream. This is my quest, and I'm healthy and strong. It's from pushing real mowers on organic lawns. And I'm thinking it's cool to burn fat, but not fuel. Let's stand up for what's right, like we're teaching in school. More greens, real mowing, and solar charged electrics, clean and serene. So go green with more green. We use no stinking gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you, Dan, I worked in radio for 25 years and I've heard some jingles in my time. That one would have been one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really excellent. One of the things I, I thought too when I looked at your website was there's a section called 21 something, you know, 21 things or whatever. And I was just, as I was going through that, I was just amazed that the things that you, you do and that you help people with, things that like normal, you know, mowing companies wouldn't do, things like, like helping people set up their own compost bin in their backyard if they want to. That, that just struck me as like a, an incredible thing. We've had our, my wife and I've had a compost going for, 40 years in our backyard on, you know, 0.18 acres. And, and, you know, so it's, so even if you have it, if you've got enough land to mow, then you've probably got enough land to do a compost and, you know, food waste and composting is such a key thing to keep all the, you know, methane from, you know, throwing all that food in the landfill and the methane gas associated with that. And I thought, wow, that's fabulous. The idea just helping people, you know, set that up and your tips on, on mowing the grass to the right height to have less likelihood of weeds and, and the different things that you do different times of year. There's so much that you've got 
you know, sorted out in, I guess, the almost 20 years of, of doing this, you've, you've really learned an awful lot of, of things and, and got an incredible bunch of services to offer people. Do you want to say more about that? Like some of the, are there any stories behind some of those things? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to address that a little bit. Yeah, that, that was the blog entry, 21 Ways to Clean and Serene. Mm. And we are in, in the business because it's a dirty business. We're hoping to change the industry. And we are in a world of hurt environmentally. And one of the things that is really kind of contrary to sustainability tenets is the lawn, land care business. So we have three pillars of salvation, if you will. First of all, I don't know when these providers are going to get tired of being public nuisances because there's noise ordinances everywhere. Yeah. People, just to, we started out based on, I thought it was consumption and pollution. I thought consumption was a big thing. Consumption is not that big a thing, although we spill the equivalent amount of gasoline as, as the Exxon Valdez spill from 1980. It's a lot every year if we're filling lawnmowers with the gasoline and other devices. But the, so the first, we exist because of zero, mission zero emission, trying to have less greenhouse gases. And that's really important because emissions from small gas engines are five to 10% of the pollution in the United States. Five to 10%, that's a lot of greenhouse gases. Yeah. One stat from 2019 is that our greenhouse gases went up three and a half percent and we can't have them go up any percent. So right. if you have an industry that represents 10% and there's another way of doing it, then why wouldn't we flip it? Why wouldn't we change that as fast as possible? That's our main mission is to stop the severe weather and the climate change and the pollution associated with the emissions from gas lawn gear. And the reason it's five to 10% of our pollution is because it's 10 to 20 times more polluting per gallon than a car. A full day of lawn mowing, if we were using gasoline, would be the emissions equivalent of about 4,000 miles in a car. Wow. By going like 97% zero emission in the past 18 years, we've avoided the emissions of 320 trips around the world by car. A lot, wow. a lot of pollution. So the first pillar of salvation, if you will, for this mission-based business is to eliminate emissions <clears throat> from lawn care and stop the increase in temperature that changes the weather. The second area that's so important is we see a lot of cancer in mm -hmm. pets and people, and a lot of that seems to be linked to pesticides. So there's a lot of toxic chemicals, synthetic chemicals. So the first mission, uh, I'll just bounce back. First mission is get the gas off the grass. You know, mission zero emission. Another mission is go organic, no synthetics, go organic. So the second mission is let's, let's stop with the endocrine disrupting, nerve damaging, uh, carcinogenic chemicals, and let's learn how to care for our land in a healthier way. We're organic guys. The third pillar of salvation I did not see coming. We started up, I was an IT guy. This was my you know, second or third career. I didn't, I didn't know much about plants, what was going on, but little by little, the entomologists, uh, mm -hmm. the scientists have noticed EO Wilson being the grandfather of the half earth wild movement. They said, wait a minute, time out. We've lost 30 to 40% of our insects and birds. 
that's because we lost half our wetlands that we can't do much about that today, but we can restore them. But a lot of it's because of the use of pesticides, but even worse, it's the use of imported plants, non-native plants, mm -hmm. invasive plants. By definition, an invasive plant takes over territory, it spreads without human cultivation. So we have a handful of plants, 10 or 20 now in Connecticut, that are choking out the native plants. So this half earth wild movement, it's linked to the pollinator pathway movement. You've probably heard yep. about that. No more May. What's that all about? Well, Doug Tallamy is a rock star now. He's an author and an entomologist, University of Delaware. He's going around speaking. He's writing books. Everyone's following him. Every town has missionaries now trying to create the pollinator pathway. And we work with the local land trust doing that. The short story if I might paraphrase his message, is that if we don't stop the use of invasive plants, if we don't stop the encroachment of invasive plants and get half the earth wild with 70% native plants, then we won't have an adequate food supply for the insects. They need a continuous bloom cycle throughout the season so that they can survive and thrive and so that the birds can, can rear their young and migrate. They can't get by on seeds that people put out in their feeders. They need big, fat, juicy caterpillars. They need a, a healthy life cycle. And, and so, that, so that's an important area. So I, 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 I had no idea how hard this business would be to be full service across the board. You know, acquiring the electric equipment, although the ROI is higher, the cost of ownership's lower, the smart money's on electric. And of course, it's, it's better for everybody. But that, that was a challenge. And learning how to do lawn care was a challenge. I'm an old IT guy. You know, I didn't, I didn't run a landscape business. But the learning how to treat a soil, test it, treat it organically, you know, control pests and weeds organically, that was a challenge too. But the, the plant thing is amazing. You know, they all have Latin names and you, you have to be, look around and say, oh, I see that's garlic mustard that's spreading like crazy. It's taking over the forest floor. It's a lelopathic. It poisons the soil around it. How do you stop that? Is that perennial? Is that annual? You got to get the seed cycle. You got to get it by the roots. And so now I'm walking onto people's properties, wandering around saying, oh yeah, there's mugwort. People say it's a great medicinal plant, but that's going to take over everything. We've got to get rid of that. Learning how to get rid of it, learning how to identify it, coaching people, so that they can have bird-friendly, insect-friendly things. And another blog entry on the website, like that 21 Ways to Clean and Serene, is called Birds and the Bees and the Leaves We Ought to Leave. The, our practices are barbaric. We subject creatures in our own homes, in our garden beds, to hurricane winds, 200-mile-an-hour winds. We ruin their lives. We stop their lives by stripping all the leaves including the inhabitants from the beds. And then we pay people to bring mulch back on. So it's, it's ass backwards. And so even fall cleanup practices and spring cleanup practices will either support or short circuit the food web, the pollinator pathway movement, the half earth wild movement. So that's the third pillar of salvation. And the catchy phrase for that mission is <clears throat> no invasives, let's plant natives. That's fabulous. And as you were talking about that, you know, the carbon, you know, the atmospheric 
impacts and everything of, of mowing. And, you know, there's some things that are going to be difficult, like like air travel and things to, to do something about. But mowing seems like a pretty, you know, one lawn care and mowing and, and things like that seems like a pretty doable thing compared to fixing air travel. And it's got, you know, two to three times the impact if we can just, you know, start taking care of our lawns in an intelligible way. Yeah, we do have a, so I'm part of the Ridgefield Action Committee for the Environment. And and we do have, you know, people in our group that are very much about the pollinator pathway thing. And I've got a friend who I meet up with occasionally and, and we pull out Euonymus at one of the town parks that just like there's this carpet of Euonymus going on for acres. It's all oh, about boy. the same height and, and who knows how it got started, but we're all sitting there with these, you know, things pulling it out by the roots and stuff. And and the part that we pulled out actually looks pretty good. It's staying there. So, you know, we, awesome. we keep going back and picking out the little stragglers that we missed or whatever, but it, it's one of those things. And, and up here in Maine, I happen to be on the island that I'm on, there's a lot of glossy buckthorn. And I've been going around our, our property up here for the last year and a half or so and just trying to eradicate that up, up here on the on that property. That's another invasive thing we have to have up here. And of course, the barberry bushes that just go on forever. I live on in, in Ridgefield. I live near large open space and there's just massive amounts of barberry bush back there. But just, you know, trying to at least pull the stuff out of my yard and, and make sure that that's not there. And, and once you start seeing these things, they're just like, they're everywhere. And the, the pesticides that people just choose to, to use, that they're not really thinking about the neonicotinoids are super bad. And there are plenty of alternatives for some of these things. And if people realize the negative impacts they're having on pollinators by using those things, you do hear stories, you know, people driving across the US or, or whatever, and they used to have gobs of bugs all over their windscreen after driving, you know, 50 miles or so or, or 100 miles before the next, you know, the, they pull off the next rest area. And, you know, your windscreen is just covered with bugs. And now you can drive, you know, hundreds of miles and, and, you know, not even have to clean your windshield. There's just not that many bugs out there anymore. It's making oh, there's, there's it's definitely terrible. noticeable difference. Yeah, good, great observations. It's yeah, especially people our age. You know, I grew up. You could go just about anywhere in Connecticut on a on a moist evening. You know, you'd be mm. dodging newts and 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 yeah. frogs and and uh, you'd have the bugs all over your windshield. Now, I think you have to go farther north, you know, into the remote areas of Maine to see that kind of yeah. vestige of a vibrant, healthy ecosystem. That's just crazy. So a lot of these McMansions in Fairfield County, this is mm. where the real problems are. You know, we care for community gardens in Bridgeport. <clears throat> Bridgeport's a city, right? So you would think that the community garden bee population would be not quite as healthy as the bee population in the suburbia, you know, Westport, Connecticut, you know, the bigger, mm. more expensive homes, bigger zoning. It's the opposite because there's so, so many pesticides in use. The styles have to change. Mm. There are a lot of people who think a golf course is a good thing for their lawn to look like, and they're paying people to come poison the property, disturb their cognition with noise. And, and kill all the bugs, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it's not, and then, and then strip all the leaves from the beds and then buy mulch. Well, the leaves are mulch, you know, it's crazy. I testify a lot on the ever ready testifier. All the towns are now, they're trying to put the toe in the water. 
and at least get some sanity in the summertime and stop these guys from running gas leaf blowers. Gas leaf blowers are the worst of the polluting gas tools. If you drive 1100 miles in a 30 MPG vehicle, you make the equivalent pollution of about an hour of using a backpack gas leaf blower. And so they're extremely polluting, 20 times more polluting than a car. And, but they're disturbing too. The sound, it's a low frequency noise that travels long distance, yeah. penetrates walls. Super and, annoying. And so, oh, super annoying, yeah. So and annoying. I sat with Bedford, New York in 2018. They said, we're gonna make a law. They got started on it. And I, I presented for them and I attended their meetings. They passed one law, then they made it better. And so I've been testifying and supporting the movement in Larchmont, they had a they have a historic ban. They even threw the baby out with the bathwater. They ban electric blowers as well because they're blowers. Blowing is not 100% positive. So we're really trying to solve social problems with our business. It's it's truly a, a you know it's a social enterprise where you know if we could get rid of gasoline in lawn care, if we could get rid of poisons in lawn care, if we could have the world dial a tune into native plants and stop invasives and we just wouldn't have a business and that would be okay we're only here to try to solve those problems i was having a look on your website and i've got to say there's some fantastic pieces of machinery the solar powered ride-on lawnmower can you tell me a little bit about the equipment that you guys use and where it came from how did it, how was it born i mean i've never seen some of these things before Sure. Yeah. Interestingly, you know, we started with real mowers because it was an athletic thing also. And that's the greenest way to mow. But real mowers don't mulch leaves. There are very few that you can set as high as four inches and, and, and you can't compete. You know, it's, it's hard to do a, an acre of grass in 45 minutes the way a big five foot ride on gas mower can. So over the years, we realized, yeah, this is quixotic and we're only going to get the ultra environmental people as customers. I did have a customer that, that asked us to do their four acre lawn, loved what we do and how we did it. And I quoted twice the market rate because it takes, even if you're hustling, it takes twice as long with real mowers. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't going to spread, but they did. Those people saved our business and they approved a market, a price that was higher than the market to and, and we did their lawn. And there's a video on that on our website. Channel 12 covered it. You know, I sent them a single email. I said, we're going to mow four acres with nothing but push mowers in 95 degree heat to make a statement about the pollution and lawn care. And I pointed out in the video that, you know, just this one lawn mowing would make the equivalent pollution of a trip to Florida and back. That's wild. It's, <laughs> it's such a good visual, such a great visual. I'm not surprised they jumped on it either. Fabulous story to spread the I, word. Yeah, I so I got a I got a question about so if there was a you know traditional lawn care company you've got all this invested in all this equipment and everything. Do you have advice for like how they would make this transition and what they should be doing and looking at and then and then from an economic standpoint, obviously you know it's probably more expensive up front, but you but it's cheaper maintenance wise that kind of thing. So just wanted. You know, if you were going to convince some young person who's, you know, been doing landscaping for a few years and say, hey, you know, you should think about this, what would you tell them? 
The Curious Capitalist podcast on behalf of the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter is created and produced by Red Rock Branding. If you are enjoying this episode, please subscribe to and share this podcast today. Well, thank you. That's a good thing. I'll backtrack just a little, but it's it's, it's certainly related. The, the equipment, we actually tried hydrogen. We converted some mowers to burn hydrogen. Had a friend with an electrolyzer, solar-powered electrolyzer. We had these tanks, Frankenstein. And then we finally discovered electric in, in 2015, small residential, battery-powered. That was better. But then a market leader emerged in Ohio called Mean Green Products and Aerospace Engineer, Ohio Manufacturing, American-made market leader, Mean Green. And Generac bought them. In the last couple of years, Generac, American Corporation, you know, they make generators. And and so they, I guess they want to get closer to that battery power because mm. you have all that battery power parts, you can back up a building, probably run it for a, for a week, you know, <laughs> no generator required. Yeah. So batteries, generator company, good move. For, for anyone in the business, I would say, first of all, it's the right thing to do. And it's really bad for you to, to burn gas. And there's all kinds of problems with it. But nobody is motivated by that. They're motivated by their next meal. You know, they need mm -hmm. to pay the bills. And capital is scarce. So they want to get the cheapest equipment, maybe the cheapest truck. You know, it's hard to compete. There's a joke. It's hard to compete with chucking a truck and, and have a, a real business with knowledge and insurance and all that. So you have prices that run the gamut from probably $30 an hour on up to $80 per, per hour for lawn care, depending on, on what's being done, whether it's somebody's using a chainsaw or doing specialized pruning or whether somebody's weeding and whether they have a real business or it's small. But the advice is where I've arrived now, I've been trying to coach people and convince them. I'm the, I testify against the protesters who resist the movement to uh, against gas leaf blowers. And so the argument is that the smart money is on electric. So you have to think like a, like an investment person. If you buy electric equipment, it's lower maintenance and a much lower cost of fuel. I work with a, a group called AGSA, the American Green Zone Alliance. They help cities and towns create green zones and go electric. And they measure the amount of pollution that's avoided and all that. And they have helped me with some figures in terms of cost. It costs four times more to operate a gas leaf blower than electric. It costs seven times more to operate a gas mower, a commercial mower, than electric. And when you, so when you do the math on a commercial lawn care practice where you have four or 500 hours of utilization and maybe spend extra money on that battery power, electric mower or blower, you earn it back fast. Yes. The ROI, so if you, if you invest in electric lawn care equipment, you earn double digit return. So at some point, even if somebody gave you a gas unit, you're losing money compared to electric. So the smart money's on electric. And, and the challenge is having the nerve to finance the investment. <clears throat> but you can get you can get a $25,000 mower with 0% interest 
So the so starting from scratch, not as easy because you need you, you need good utilization. But if you're going to start from scratch, why not get the best equipment, electric? It's you know it, it gets more and more capable every year, and it's it's a good business. It, it's a hard business. Lawn care is a hard business, but my advice for existing practice, it's easier for existing companies to convert because they have the utilization required to make that investment pay. And they could simply, there's no reason it needs to cost more money. Everybody says, well, I'm not going, you know, the commercial gasoline providers say, oh no, it's not, the technology's not there yet. The battery life isn't good enough. And I would have to double or triple my prices. I'm calling BS. It, that's not true because you earn money. It, it, the, the cost of ownership is much lower. So we have 12 or 13 commercial mowers that are three foot wide, four foot wide, five foot wide, six foot wide, hmm. running on battery from the market leader, Mean Green. We've chosen a small tool platform where all the batteries are common. And it happens to be ego. Uh, there's many good ones out there. Steel is is all the all the manufacturers are now switching over. They see the writing on the wall, and they are they are all offering. The big argument is that there's not enough power in electric leaf blowers, not enough battery life. But we overcome that. We take care of 70 acres a week across 10 or 15 towns. And, uh, and our market, our pricing is pretty much like the rest of the market. The market's about $60 an hour for lawn care in Fairfield County. And we have no problem with that. Some of these arguments sound like old arguments before electric vehicles. They sound like they're exactly the same. I guess my question is, how do you ensure that your powering when you're recharging your batteries is 100% renewable? That's a very good question. I've had prospects, customers say, congratulations, you have a coal burning machine. And mm. they said, oh, yes, yes. He's, he was a big fan of Fox News also. And that made sense. So <laughs> I, I talked to him about emissions. And, and, and I remember the Nissan Leaf business case study kind of taught this. If you burned coal to produce your electricity, you would still have a 70% emissions savings to go electric. Sure, there's some manufacturing footprint, the mining is an issue, but we've got a problem with global warming. So we have to stop increasing the temperature today. If we're not happy with battery waste and we have to figure out what to do with that, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem we have to fix, but it's a problem that it's moot if we don't stop increasing temperature. So today, Batteries can help us stop the global warming. Uh, tomorrow, I imagine we can figure out how to deal with the battery waste. Okay, so how do we get to a bigger savings than 70% for electric lawn care or electric vehicles? First of all, by law, 18%, maybe 20% of electric power has to come from renewable sources. And so you, you move up the, up, up the spectrum in terms of how, how much emissions you avoid. The emissions are limited to the power station as well. So there's, it is truly zero emission when you're at the job site. And that's beautiful for neighborhoods and kids and people, but not for the people who live next to the power plants. So when you're charging, ideally, if you can use solar power, that's a win. And my last headquarters had solar power and, and that was a beautiful thing. My headquarters today 
I had to upsize the headquarters. We don't have solar there. That's a problem. But you can you can check the box on the electric bill and get 100% renewable power. So at least you can support 100% renewable power equal or greater than the consumption that you draw from the grid. So I would say with our approach, with electing for renewable power, with using some solar where possible, we're, we're probably avoiding 95% of the emissions associated with that, which yeah. is how I get the figure of 320 trips around the world in terms of emissions avoided. And there's always room for improvement. We want to be the greenest lawn care company in the world. So our trailers and vans ideally would be electric. Ideally, they'd have solar panels on top. You asked me about the solar charged mower. That mower has a canopy that provides shade while you're mowing large properties. And it does trickle charge that battery as you go. So in an afternoon, you can recharge the mower to the tune of about 10 or 12%. It so looks not- brilliant as well. It's fabulous. You have to check it out on the website. It is a fabulous picture. Do check out the website, mowgreen.com to have a look. Thank you. It's pretty slick. I got pretty excited when I finally got a chance to buy one. And in Connecticut right now, I think we're about 50% you know, non-fossil fuel between the nuclear plants and all the renewables. And in a few more years, we're you know once the wind farms come online offshore, I think we're supposed to be 90% or more you know, by in like two or three years. So, you know, I bought a heat pump from my house and I do buy the hundred percent renewable electricity for that. And I have solar on the, on the roof, but you know, even if I had not done that, I buy the heat pump today or you can buy the electric, you know, lawn mowing service and, you know, or, you know, or lawnmower or whatever equipment and get that going. And then, you know, in just a few years without doing anything, you know, that whole shift to renewables will, will happen. Even if you just if you don't do anything, just plug it into the, you know, your outlet and, and don't buy any special, you know, electrical electricity or anything. So it's going yeah, to go, go in the right way. You know, there are very few times a year where you need to be blowing, running a blower, hmm. you know, minute by minute all day. But for people who think they have to do that with barbaric fall leaf cleanup practices, hmm. you can with electric. We, our customers let us charge at their outdoor outlets. So, we, you know, we're charging all day long and yep. we tell the customer, you know, it costs 25 cents to charge a blower battery, you know, that lasts 15 yeah. minutes at full throttle, maybe half hour at low speed. Sure. But there's all kinds of batteries. There's batteries that go for an hour if you need to. And they have no problem with that. So there yep. is, there's no issue with keeping these units charged. And nowadays you can get a, a 700, 800, cubic feet per minute CFM blower, and that's mm. enough power to blow a pine cone off a pool cover from 20 feet away. Mm. You don't need more than that. And you can take one in each hand. We don't even like the backpack units, these handhelds, and you don't get gas powered handhelds like mm. the, like the ones with electric. The electrics are great, but with gas, those they're too heavy. They're, they're terrible that you have to have a, a backpack with electric. Mm. So you get all that dirty yeah, fines by your face, right? Yeah. yeah, 20 tailpipes right next to your face. Right. Crazy. No, that'd so. be a hard no for me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm wondering, like, it just just one other question is, you know, like, who's your typical customer? Is it the person with the EV and the solar panels on the roof and that sort of thing? Or do you have other customers who, you know, really don't care about that, but just want it nice and quiet and peaceful? 
Some people are all about the sound and they're working from home. <clears throat> They've yep. had it with the blowers. And then other people are diehard environmentalists. And when they learn about our business, they say, oh, how yeah. much? You know, start yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and for a time, you know, there is more capital outlay and, and we do pay our people more. So we do try to track, you know, the pricing of organic food. So often customers who call, prospects would call in and say, how much? And I would say, when, this was when I had a full-time job. I didn't leave my regular career job until 2017. I used to try to expedite things. And I would say, well, how much are you paying today? And they would say, well, 60 bucks. I'd say, well, we'll do it for 75. How's that sound? And they'd be like, sold. You know, they'd sign up <laughs> sight unseen and we just add them yeah. to the route. And it is really quixotic. We drive too much. And, and we're not all electric in our fleet yet. There's a much higher return on the investment in the electric gear than on the electric vehicles. I mean, electric vehicles are a great idea, but we use Toyota hybrids, Toyota Priuses. People mm -hmm. laugh when they see us go by the little Prius towing in a 12 foot aluminum trailer with these yeah. big, you know, green mowers on the back. <laughs> but those are at least lower emission and higher MPG. And so we buy carbon credits every year. So you mentioned a few great ways to reduce your carbon footprint. We all need to, you know, get a heat pump, solar on the roof, 100% elect 100% renewable power at, at your electric company source. These all great things. Get a home energy assessment, go, go electric with your lawn care, all beautiful things. So I, I appreciate that you're walking the walk. <laughs> walking Absolutely. <the> <laughs> Sure, the talk. Yeah, I'm sure if you had, you know, electric trucks, when you do at some point, the customers who have EV chargers at their thing won't mind that you pull in the driveway and plug your truck in or your lawnmowers if they can take the same yeah. system or whatever. So it's got a real community feel about it and a bit of camaraderie, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of the things, the, the carbon credits for burning gas in the vehicles and then the circular free economy on mm. a lot of the waste associated with lawn care. So as I mentioned, we do burn a little gas in the vehicles. I want to get a, a like a Rivian truck. Hmm. I, I don't like Elon Musk anymore, so I wouldn't buy a Tesla. But the, the Rivian truck really has the look about it. Yep. You know, like that Prius hauling the trailer. You know, we like that marketing icon, like that mower with the solar canopy. So yep. I'd love to get the Rivian truck. They're eighty thousand dollars. So that's a slow move. So we'll so we'll buy carbon credits to balance our carbon footprint. So we really do, we, we zero it down and then so, and, and so even though we burn a little gas and we travel a little bit, if we travel hundred miles, we avoid the emissions of 4,000. Ideally, we won't travel hundred miles. Right. So that's a good thing. That's something else that people can think about. Buy some carbon credits to offset your air travel, the gasoline you burn in your car if you haven't gone electric yet. And then the other thing with lawn care, there's a ton of waste, bags, 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 planting pots. Those two things are big, big waste items. And so we teach the staff to open them carefully, pull the string so that that bag is reusable. We put the bags into the bags, we stack them up, we put a tarp on them and we send messages out on Facebook and Nextdoor, free bags for reuse. Ideal use case is somebody who's remediating asbestos or lead paint. Mm. Uh, they need something rugged to 
put things in and then they're going to double bag with construction bags. And then the pots, all kinds of people in the neighborhood, yep. the guys who sell fig trees, gardeners, all these pots are just getting thrown out or into a recycling pile. Yeah. And and so, so there's people coming to our parking lot, rubbaging through, reusing the bags, reusing the pots. I just, I, I, I was at a customer's, unfortunately, we didn't get the planting contract. We got this customer for the lawn care. Went there yesterday to go full service, walking around, identifying all the invasives. And the dumpster was filled with planting pots. Mm. I took them all back to the yard because there's people checking all the time, coming and reusing them. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. We need circular economies. And for that matter, recycling, you know, what to do with our plastic and Tetra packs, that's one of the biggest problems the world has today because it's piling up. It's not being remanufactured. I've been assisting and advising a factory in Mexico called Perfecciona Technologies Planeta Listo. They actually have a factory supported by solar power. They're making building materials, furniture, recycling mm -hmm. bins, all kinds of things from a variety of plastics and Tetra Pak. And, and so I'm really excited about helping them grow. They have, they have chains like McDonald's and everyone's trying to put on the green halo. So they're, all, they're getting all these orders for things made from plastic waste. It's a, and even they're shredding dog food bags and remaking fine, high quality products from it. And there's also a company in Connecticut that's making building boards from Tetra Pak, just like mm. this company in Mexico that I've been working with. And I'm excited I'm connecting them because this company in Connecticut has four products, Kelly Greenboard. The guy in Mexico is a genius designer. He's got a hundred yeah. products. So mm. maybe they can do some cooperating and we can solve that problem as well and reduce the waste stream. Way too much waste. It is quite phenomenal, the amount of waste, and there is so much more we could do in that circular economy for sure. Dan, it's been so cool learning a little bit more. In fact, learning a lot about your business and how you're making such a big difference. And it's really opened my eyes to the world of lawn care. I don't know about you, Gavin, for sure. Yeah. But uh, definitely check out the website, mogreen.com. One last thing, a self-gratuitous plug, if you wouldn't mind, Dan. It seems like the right thing to do. What areas do you cover and how can people get in touch with you if you want to do the right thing and have you guys take care of their lawn? Well, thank you. We have customers that kind of revolve around our headquarters in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we have a cluster in the Yale community in New Haven. We have customers in Ridgefield, Connecticut, and over the border in the Bedford area. Hmm. And we also have customers as far west, southwest, as Rye, New York, and Greenwich, Stanford, Darien, Westport. And that's a problem for a lawn care company. I've been struggling to figure out, am I going to franchise? Am I going to open branches? Am I going to hire a good guy with a garage, you know, in Katona or Portchester and New Haven? What I've arrived at is the Eon Alliance, Electric Organic Native Alliance. I want to help companies in the areas too far from Bridgeport to be really rational as a business. Be successful electric lawn care companies, organic and, and native plant focused. So I have, a, I have a company in New Haven now that's taking over our route as a subcontractor. Next year, 
They'll transition and work with those customers directly. We'll support them along the way. They'll pay us a small fee like a franchisor next year, but the following year, the customer is theirs, the territory is theirs. And likewise, I'm doing that with somebody in Stamford, Connecticut. So we're actually kind of giving up the territories that are too far away. We wanted to give credence and be a working model for the movement. We serve 22 towns. We're still driving to Katona from Bridgeport for a whole day of work, a couple times a week. But the objective is to find other lawn care companies that want to convert to electric, who have it in their heart to do the right thing, to not only be zero emission, but to be organic and, and to focus on native plants. And so we've got, we've got someone in Stanford. So people can be served in this territory. So anyone in those areas, Richfield, Hickory's Farm, Richfield, mm -hmm. fantastic place, amazing owner, Dina Brewster, uh, their customer. She's been uh, suggesting to her CSA customers that they may want electric lawn care. It's a little hard serving that area, but we're not letting it go. We're not letting anyone down. We're looking for partners in the area to take over those customers while we focus primarily on Bridgeport, Fairfield, Westport, Weston. But we track people, we match make. When people call in from towns in New Jersey, you know, I testify for Maplewood and Glenridge, but we track that data. And when somebody's looking for an electric lawn care provider and we find one, let's say in Long Island, We'll, we'll double back and I've done this. I've contacted the prospect and said, I found somebody in your area. Here's nice. their info. Nice job. Great job. Dan, Gavin, it's been such a privilege to learn a little bit more about it today. Thank you so much for your time and being a part of The Curious Capitalist. In the show notes, you'll find a link to Gavin's LinkedIn page, a link to Dan's LinkedIn page, and of course, to the website mogreen.com. And I'll also put a link to Mean Green Products. No, they don't sponsor this podcast. It's been such a privilege. Thank you for being a part of The Curious Capitalist. Oh, thank you. What a treat. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Curious Capitalist. If you would like to find out more about conscious capitalism, or if you would like to join the local chapter, visit the website connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org. The Curious Capitalist is available on all podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, subscribe to and share this podcast today. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com.